Welcome, and thank you for joining the Successful While Parenting podcast. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. Friendly reminder, this show is intended for people with kids, not for kids. This was made in a facility that allows cussing, so there may be traces of it. Hey, parental units. This interview I had is with Danielle Bui, and it was a great time to learn and just talk about all of the things she's done over at Wife Mother Leader, uh, which is a platform focused on helping women, or not just women, but mothers, uh, excel in their careers as well as their personal uh, romantic lives and and still just keeping all of the things outside of parenthood going well. So we dive and talk into uh, what advice and things that you've seen um, that are common mistakes that mothers make while trying to excel and, and move their careers forward. Um, how a lot of the information that she's learned from working with mothers and being a mother uh, can translate for fathers that we can learn from. And we also talk about even on the the personal scale of what is the hardest advice for her to follow um, so that we're not giving off this image that we're perfect and know everything. So definitely a super fun conversation and hope you enjoy. Okay. Uh, all right. So good morning and thank you for joining me, Danielle. You're welcome. Glad to be here. All right. Awesome. So I will give the basic introduction and then I'll let you take it away from here. Uh, Danielle Bui, and you are the, you operate the Wife Mother Leader platform and podcast. And uh, I've just been inspired as you are focused on helping mothers that are trying to excel in their career and just thrive as individuals. And that's what inspired me and made me want to connect with you. So uh, what could you expound on like anything or how? Sure. Um, yeah. So I really think about trying to help women figure out how to have the career that they want, whatever that might look like, um, build their career at the same time as they're building their family. Because for most of us, our sort of peak childbearing years end up um, <laughs> happening right as we are sort of hitting that ramp um, and maybe hitting that stride in career. And so I, you know, I was going through that. I was sort of early on in my kind of friend circle and things like that to start having kids and had moved, my husband and I sort of moved across the country, don't have family where we live. And so we found ourselves with, you know, a new baby and both of us trying to build careers. And um, it was a lot. And I was looking around for advice and, you know, Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg had written Lean In. And so I read that. And then, you know, Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote her, you know, sort of um, rebuttal to that. And so there was all this sort of very high level intellectual conversation about work-life balance and women and careers. But I was like, okay, but I'm here with a baby right now. <laughs> and there are women with two and three kids trying to figure this out. And you guys can debate policy and all that, which does need to be changed and organizations need to be changed. But I was really looking for just super practical advice and not feeling like I was finding it. And so that was sort of the genesis of Wife Mother Leader was trying to share my own journey and that of other women who had, you know, 
walked down this path and just trying to give people super practical advice on how to do it and things to try and, you know, how to make it work for your particular family and circumstances and career. Cause that's the piece that's really hard is like, okay, how do I tailor this advice to what's going on in my own life, in my own marriage with my own kids? So. Yeah. Wow. Super awesome. Thank you. Um, that is exactly like the story that just moves me of wow, hearing all the pieces and and I can definitely relate similarly of feeling like the advice that you would be looking for is missing. And so then it's like, all right, well, if it's not there, I'll go ahead and create it and start it. So thank you for doing that. Sure. It's been fun. It's a blast. And so are you often like working with mothers or, or are you just sharing out what is your kind of experience and, and how does the wife, mother, leader platform like really work? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, it's, it's interesting. So I started this journey when I was working a prior job. Um, I worked in market research in the kind of pharma biotech space off and on for about 10 years. Um, and partway through that, our um, second son actually has um, sickle cell disease. And so when we um, when he was born and we got his diagnosis, I went from being on maternity leave to not going back to my job. Um, and so that was a pretty kind of huge transition. And um, over the course of that is when I sort of formally started Wife Mother Leader. Prior to that, I had just been kind of sharing with my girlfriends and, you know, other women I knew just about kind of the parenting and marriage journey. Um, and then when that happened, I was like, I, I need some help. Like I'm leaving my job. Now I'm a stay at home mom. And at some point I know I want to go back to work and navigating a child with a chronic illness. Like there was just a lot going on. And so Wife Mother Leader actually came out of kind of another business idea I'd had about really practical support for women. So I wanted to start like a transportation service, like the Uber for kids type mm -hmm. model. Um, but for a variety of reasons, um, that did not work. Mainly the business model for that is actually pretty terrible. Like it's everyone's like, oh, that's such a great idea. And everyone can see how you could use it. But like the logistics of actually picking up kids in cars and the liability and trust and all that sort yep. of stuff, if you don't have <laughs> billions of dollars to pour into that business model, um, is really difficult. And so I decided not to, and I done like a little business kind of accelerator incubator program with that idea. And then once I sort of ditched it, um, I said, okay, well, I still really want to help. Like the goal of that was to try to actually directly help women sort of in this challenge of trying to have a family and career. And so Wife Mother Leader was sort of my way to still help and support those same women that I was targeting with that transportation service. Um, but in a way that was, you know, hopefully more um, scalable from a financial perspective. And then I think leaned on more of my strengths, which tend to be um, kind of coaching, advising, teaching, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's how it was born. And so it ended up, it's ended up being um, me sharing on my podcast. I'm really um, sort of active on LinkedIn um, right now and do um, coaching with women um, kind of one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm in the process of working on some coaching programs that I'll be rolling out 
probably later this year. We're recording this in the midst of uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. So some of the plans or the, all the timing I had this year for um, Wife Mother Leaders shifted a little bit. Um, but over the course of doing that, I was home for four years um, with my son and he went to preschool and we had subsequently had one more child. So I have three kids. Um, and so over the course of those four years home with my middle son and my youngest, my daughter, and decided I wanted to go back to work. And so went back into the industry that I was in before, but I was kind of doing this thing on the side and realized that there were or kind of learned that there were like these kind of work life HR type jobs. And basically from having done wife, mother, leader, I was able to um, actually get a job as a work life manager. So it's very interesting now that I do a lot of the things I wanted to do with wife, mother, leader, like actually in my formal job, um, working with parents um, and people within our organization who need support just with like work life stuff, whether that's kids, whether that's aging parents, whether that's getting their finances together, all, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it's really cool now that I'm actually able to do a lot of that in my day job, but I can still use Wife Mother Leader to really focus in on like the key kind of target demographic um, of women that I'm interested in supporting. So there's a nice synergy between them now. That, <laughs> just like in awe of your story and how like everything just lined up perfectly. Yeah. I mean, and when you, when you tell it in hindsight, it lined up perfectly, but there's Going certainly a backstory of, of how to of how I got there, which we can, you know, talk about uh, maybe over the course of the conversation. Cause there is some advice even in there with women and careers and especially in this day and age, starting to do whatever it is that you want to do, which is kind of what I was sort of doing it on the side, which gave me some credibility, which got me, you know, the opportunity to be able to get the job. So it was sort of an interesting, it sounds very clean right now and a straight line but it was actually <laughs> quite zigzaggy um, to get there and even still is. Yeah. So let's dive in a little. So um, I want to know more about your entrepreneurial route, um, and not even just with wife, mother, leader, but specifically your experience going through, I would, I would imagine the most zigzaggy part of the Uber for kids, um, and how that was. And especially thinking about, because there's, um, at a co-working space that I go to, they're looking to start up an, an incubator for women, um, because often women are, marginalized when coming to tech opportunities and starting up a, a business. Um, so I would love to hear kind of your experience and um, any advice for women that are trying to go that entrepreneurial route. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, um, I went to Stanford undergrad um, in the kind of early 2000s. And so there was, you know, that was the beginnings of like, entrepreneurial fever. It was certainly already a very entrepreneurial place, but it was definitely ramping up. And so I don't think you can leave Stanford without feeling like you're not going to be successful in life if you don't start a business. Um, And I kind of, that's not a knock on Stanford. It's just part of the culture. And so I was very like interested and, you know, sort of did a program while I was there, et cetera. So I had always kind of had this desire to have my own business. Um, but over the years, it, I, you know, I kind of tried to start some other things. And what I found is that, honestly, I'm not 
I'm not driven by money. And so, and again, not to say that entrepreneurs have to be driven by money, um, but I kept coming up with ideas that just had terrible business models because they were mainly service-based, just trying to, you know, sort of help and support people. And often it ends up for me helping people who may not necessarily have the resources yet um, or sort of are on their journey or that sort of thing. So that's just been a a challenge for me personally. And I do think a, a huge part of that is actually being a woman because I think we are sort of very in tune with um, problems and not necessarily figuring, and I, I'll just speak for myself, not all women, but um, I don't necessarily filter on, okay, how can the people who have this problem pay for my solution? So it's always clear. I always come up with ideas that are definitely solving a need. And often it's grown out of just observing um, I'm my undergrad degrees in engineering. So I sort of think from a problem solving aspect, but then mm-hmm. sort of aligning that with a business model that works. And sometimes that means, and I think the advice here would be, if there is a problem that you want to solve, you have to really think about how can you, if there, so let's say, for example, your target customer cannot afford <laughs> what it is that you have to offer or be able to afford it in a way that makes your business sustainable. Is there a broader group of people that you can support? So like, say for me, you know, even with Wife Mother Leader, I think about, you know, the women who are going to have these kind of challenges that could afford either a coaching program or a course or whatever it is that, you know, I will ultimately offer from this platform. Um, they're likely going to be probably, you know, professional college educated middle to upper middle class women to be able to afford that on top of all of the other expenses of running your family. And so for me that, you know, I have to accept that and think about, okay, then how can I use that? If I have a viable business model, then I can support the, you know, woman who is trying to go to college and has a family or the single mom, because I'm from a single parent household, right? So I actually think a lot about those women. I think about as an African-American woman, I think about women of color who haven't had access to, you know, parts of corporate and entrepreneurship and career in the same way that white women have. And a lot of the conversation about work-life balance is typically upper middle class white women. And so what does that mean for women of color? But ultimately, if I don't have a viable business, then I can't help any of them. So I think my advice from an entrepreneurial standpoint would be, you know, be passionate about, you know, the idea and the problem that you're solving and really the people that you want to serve, but you need to be open to making it an actual like viable business. If you're trying to make it a business, if you want it to be something else, or it's just on the side, or you're not worried about the money, then, then that's okay. And like, for me right now, I have a job that I love that allows me to bring in the income that I need to bring in. And then also gives me a much longer runway for building the business. And so um, that would, you know, really be my advice. And I think the other one is that it's just long, like the road to doing this is much longer than when you hear someone's story about how they started a business and then they raised some money and then magically, you know, three years later, they're on the cover of, you know, Forbes or Fortune or they sold or that sort of thing. <clears throat> those stories are, um, one, those are stories of the survivors and it's a very small percentage. So this sort of obsession around venture capital and like building a business via that model, that's only one 
model for how to build a business. And, you know, a generation or two ago, people built businesses, maybe not billion dollar businesses, but they built very strong, stable, family supporting, wealth generating businesses, you know, via their own money, friends and family, you know, banks. So there are alternatives to the sort of Silicon Valley model. And I think that especially people who typically don't have access to that, i.e. women, people of color, like trying to sort of build a model with things that we're doing right now, like being on a podcast and, you know, sort of leveraging what the internet brings, um, I think is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit on many things. One thing that like stands out really strongly for me is the highlighting of the survivors of Mm -hmm. business. Um, And like, I think a lot of times, and especially for myself of, uh, oh, I want to be Steve Jobs. I want to do this and I want to be that person. And it's just like, no, not necessarily. Like that doesn't, being Steve Jobs does not equate to success, one. And two, just because you go through your own failures and deal with your own things and you're not on the cover of a magazine does not mean that you are not successful. Exactly. Um, And so that's definitely something I have to reiterate with myself and and like remind myself, like, don't go down the path of you need fame and fortune to be successful. Right. And that there, then that success looks like one thing, right? Even the Steve Jobs example, it's like, yes, he certainly changed the world. And so is Apple, but like he was, you know, kind of a jerk, at least from what everybody who was close to him says. And so, you know, it's also thinking about like yourself as a whole person and who do you want to be? And even, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a successful, you know, in your career, whatever that looks like is important, but it's still only one dimension of who you are. And so I think, you know, being able to, to your point, think about who is it that I want to become and who do I want to be be along this journey of getting to wherever it is I'm trying to get to is just as important as whatever the quote unquote success looks like at the end of that journey. Awesome. And so kind of segueing to like what success looks like along the journey, um, I want to go to in reference to mothers that you have helped and all the knowledge that you have from talking with people about, you know, or women about how to be a mother that is still successful in their own career and have healthy relationships. Um, From all of your experience in that, what is probably the most common mistake that you see mothers making? Mm. Um, So I have a few. I actually wrote these out because again, as you can already tell, I love to talk. And so I'll just go on and on. Um, But a couple that I wanted to sort of highlight in this conversation. So the first one, um, I think a common mistake is not having an ongoing conversation um, with your spouse and partner about career goals, family priorities, like where is, you know, where is your spouse or partner at? in their career and where are they trying to go in the next year, three years, five years, and then same with you. That has to be a conversation that's constantly happening because part of this challenge is 
managing if you if you do have a spouse or partner it's trying to manage two careers plus a family and so we often think about okay i got to manage my career and he or she's going to manage their career but it's really we're actually managing both of these careers at the same time and there has to be some give and take and understanding of like okay this next six months is going to be like really intense for you and so what does that mean for us what does that mean for me and what i was trying to do at work so i think that's the first one is not having really honest and ongoing conversations about career management. Um, The next one is trying to do it without having support. So one of the primary things that I have learned and that I talk about um, and sort of, you know, it feels like beating a dead horse because I say it so much, but like trying to do it without some sort of a support network. So many of us, like our generation, and I'm a very, very old millennial, I guess. Technically, I'm a millennial or a zennial because I was born in like 82. So I'm on the cusp of being a a millennial. And our generation does not necessarily live down the street from our parents and our siblings and our cousins that we grew up with. Like we moved around, like many of us live in cities away from our extended family. And so you really have to be intentional about building a support network. Um, And I think that's one thing that's missing because if you're trying to sort of do this solo, again, it's really hard. This idea that the nuclear family is like the only support and within that little cocoon, you've got to figure out career and kids and your health and, you know, how you're going to contribute to community and all those things all at the same time is just not realistic. Um, Building on that is, um, I like to use the concept of ruthlessly prioritizing. I think as women, we absolutely have to do that um, because they were pulled in so many directions and you just have to constantly prioritize. And that's sometimes on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly basis, on a yearly basis, like what are what are my priorities? And if this doesn't fall in the priority category, it doesn't mean that it's not important, but it might not be you know, important and urgent for me right now in this season, given the goals that I'm trying to work towards. So ruthlessly prioritizing. Um, and then the last one is kind of not being um, patient with yourself and giving yourself some grace when it doesn't all work perfectly because it's not going to all work perfectly. And if you spend a lot of time beating yourself up about it and not sort of being flexible and saying, okay, this didn't exactly work, but like, here's what I'm going to do, or here's what I think the next step is, or, Hey, it didn't work, but you know, how it is right now is kind of fine for the moment. So I'm just going to go with it. Um, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and then tend to beat ourselves up when things don't work out perfectly. Yeah. And so just to go back, the first point is aligning career goals between you and your spouse. Yep. The second point, having that support network. Yep. Um, ruthless prioritization. And then what was the last one? The last one is just it's <laughs> kind of like being patient with yourself, giving yourself some grace when it doesn't work out perfectly. Gotcha. Okay. And so I'm I'm super interested, and this is just like my own uh, challenge that I'm facing is the building the support network. You hit on mm-hmm. the fact of like bouncing around and that nuclear family is not necessarily physically close to you. Um, and so you, I know we talked before of how we've bounced around the country as a whole. Um, 
but how has it been like building up that support network? That's been one thing for me to where I have in my mind, I have friends and family members that I'm like, oh yeah, these are my, my best people and I love to connect with them and I'll chat via a chat, chatting app. But like the idea of making friends at this point is like, oh, why? Mm-hmm. What can I yeah. do? Yep. <clears throat> so that's, um, it's it's really hard. So the first thing I'll say is it's hard and it doesn't happen accidentally. You have to be pretty intentional about doing it and sort of pouring in. So I like to think about support network in kind of in two ways because there is the kind of familial community support. So that might be, again, if you have family around, that's excellent. Um, It could be kind of friends and peers that you meet, whether like through your kid's school, you might connect with the parents in your kid's grade. Um, If you are involved in any kind of civic organization, if it's a service organization or um, church, like for us, um, we were very intentional about finding a new church when we moved to Boston because we had a great church and community when we were in California. And so we didn't come here and sort of hang around for a couple years, bouncing around churches. Like we found a church, got connected and then, you know, moved to our current church within a year of getting here and have been there for nine years. Um, So it's, you know, thinking about how do I actually build relationships and build community to kind of walk through life with people. So there's that aspect of it. And again, still maintaining your friendships, your sibling relationships with your parents, things like that. Um, So that's, I think that often provides like the emotional support and sort of the relational support that you might need. And then there's also this aspect of, and I also got that, the other place that I got that is when I started having kids, you know, the kind of the mommy group. So, you know, two weeks ago, um, it was actually the maybe the day after (laughs) the Massachusetts primary, I was, you know, sitting in, um, you know, a bar essentially with some other moms who we had all had our first kid together. So our oldest are now like in third grade and we're talking about, you know, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and all that. We were sort of in the throes of like talking about that and like coronavirus and all that stuff. But these are women now that I've known for almost 10 years because we met in a like mommy group and stayed connected. Um, even though we don't wow. see each other as frequently anymore because our lives are got have gotten busy, we still try to get together um, you know, somewhat regularly. So that is, you know, I consider them part of my support network. Like I could call on them if I need something or if I have a question or like whatever the case may be. Um, and then there's also like the sort of practical support that you need to run your life. And so that looks different for everyone, um, but it needs to have people in there to help you with your kids. So if that is a regular babysitter or a nanny or, you know, the, you know, grandma down the street whose grandkids live someplace else and she would love to help you out. Like it doesn't always have to be, I think about it from a paid and unpaid. You can find people to help you that don't want pay. They just want to help you and you have a relationship. And there's also the people that you pay to be in that network, like a babysitter or a nanny. Um, It might be a personal trainer. If you have some health goals and you need some accountability, then you might need to pay and have a trainer in your network. Um, When I went back to work after we had our third kid, I knew that I wanted to have a house cleaner. I'm like, I know how to clean my house. Like I'm capable of doing it, but like going from, I had worked remotely um, 
in market research and I was going into a full-time five day a week in office job as his work life mm. manager. And I was like, okay, there is literally no way that we're going to be able to manage all of this. The three kids, my husband's career, and he um, had just gotten tenure, but was still like very busy, started his own company, et cetera. I'm like, there's no way we're going to manage this. And then I have to keep the house clean, like clean, clean. Like I can keep it organized and we can pick up the toys and, you know, <laughs> like dishes washed and that sort of thing. But like yeah. I, the, making sure the bathroom is like really, really clean and the floor got mopped and all that. I was like, that was just part of the agreement that I had with my husband. I was like, okay, when I go back and I take this job, we have to build in having a house cleaner come every other week into the budget. So that's just like in the budget, that's a paid thing. And it was a support that I knew I needed. There might be someone else who cleaning the house is like therapy for them and they love it and they don't need a house cleaner and that's totally fine. They might use those resources towards something else, but just thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I actually make my life work and the support network, the sort of practical household management piece um, is one that I think we can often be hesitant to sort of outsource or bring in. Um, And I think for me, there's certainly some, I don't know, just I didn't grow up that way. Like my grandmother cleaned houses. My mom kept her kept our house clean. Like she spent her Saturday mornings, you know, cleaning yep. the house. So I think there is some <laughs> sort of guilt and sort of weird, like I'm like, I'm not, you know, like some fancy person that needs to have a house cleaner. Like I sort of felt some kind of way about that. But then I just realized I'm like, okay, well, I just have to get over this because this is what is making our life work. And if my priorities are, you know, spending time with my kids and having, you know, an opportunity to like go on a regular date night with my husband, like this is just what I need. I need to buy back some hours of my time. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that I do it. So. Yep. And uh, I can definitely relate. And I, I love how you like build in with like the support network. It's not, only um there's the paid in versus the um i i, I don't want to say unpaid but like non-money no, transactional yeah, yeah exactly it's uh, both uh but yeah no definitely putting it into that perspective and i can definitely relate with the idea of cleaning because we we just started using cleaning services and some of the advice we've heard from um, cause my wife is a physician. And so we heard from other people while she's in residency, like, you know, look, don't try to do everything on your own. Yeah. You, you can go ahead. Like you will be tired. You will be working call and all these other things. You, you feel entitled to buy back your time. Exactly. Um, things that you're good at, you can continue to do things that you don't feel good at, like outsource okay. it. Yeah. outsource it and, and keep it going. And yeah, and you and you're and the thing that I think about with that is you're also contributing to someone. It's not like you're like pulling somebody in and being like do this work for me and I'm not going to give you anything in return, right? Like yes. you're paying them, so you're actually helping somebody else have a livelihood, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's it <laughs> it's still the guilt like the we just had cleaners come on Thursday <laughs> and I was like I felt so bad. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like such a slob. Like I got these boxes around and yeah. they're coming and they're moving. And I'm pre, like, the pre-clean before the cleaning is a real thing. <laughs> I feel 
kind of pretty clean. I've gotten much better because I'm like, at this point, I'm like, she knows, like, she knows what our house is like and what our life is like. So I'm just going to stop feeling guilty about this. But like, yeah, no, that's a, that's certainly a real feeling. I still do a little bit of pre cleaning. <laughs> and some of it is just like, okay, it's not her job to pick up all these toys. Like y'all need to pick up your toys. Like that's not, that's not what yeah. she's here for. So some of it is like a little bit of like decluttering and organizing. Um, but yeah, certainly for the first several months, there was, you know, even just some shame of like, oh my gosh, if my mom's on my house, she'd be like, what? I did not raise you to be this way. Blah, blah, blah. Like, there's all that that comes with it. But, you know, just, just gotta do what you got to do. Um, we actually do Thursdays too. Like, and I love, I actually love coming home on Thursday. My husband does pick up. So I do drop off in the mornings. He does pick up. And so when the house cleaners come during the day, um, I'll, you know, come home. And sometimes I come home a little bit early on Thursdays just so that I can be just in my like really clean house before yep. everyone gets home. Cause I'm like, I know by Sunday, it's not even going to look like anybody came in here and did anything. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's actually, that's one of my like self-care. It's part of my self-care routine now actually is to come home early on the Thursday. Cause we, for us, we do it every other week. So I come home on the cleaning Thursday and just spend like an hour or two at home. I do a little bit of work or wrap stuff up, um, yep. start dinner or whatever it is. Um, and that is, that's literally part of my self-care routine now is to just enjoy my house being like really clean for a couple of hours. I think I'm, I think I'm going to copy you because, <laughs> because I, I would start in like, like my, my wife would be like, Oh, the cleaners are coming today. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I look around and I'm like, I don't think there's that much to, for them to do. Like, it's just all my crap everywhere. And then they'll come and the bliss that just comes of like, oh my gosh, I don't know what they did, but that magic, it's I there. feel it. Yep. I feel it. Yep. I feel it's it. awesome. So I want to switch gears a little and talk about um, fathers and fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so your platform is focused around mothers and women, but what can fathers learn Um from from what you have to offer yeah um so it's interesting i actually had a conversation with my husband about this question so that so that i made sure i gave a really good answer (laughs) Um, so um a a couple things so i'm gonna go through my answers and then i'll give you his as the third one um so a huge thing that women have and this is actually related to my husband's answer too but um i think fathers can actually learn to take on more of the mental load. So if you're not familiar, if your audience is not familiar with mental load, um, it's a term that focuses on the, all of the things that you are literally like thinking about and figuring out and, um, managing and juggling. So, you know, there's the things we've talked about your career and, you know, kids and that sort of thing, but it's like, okay, do we have enough toilet paper? Did I make the child's three-year-old, you know, checkup? Who's going to, you know, pick them up early from school on early dismissal day in three weeks? So there's all of these other things, like just the like logistics um, of life that, end up falling on women primarily. And we're sort of thinking about all of these things all of the time. So um, I think it behooves men (laughs) um, to more proactively 
take on some of the the mental load work. And I think it's this is interesting because I think women also have to release some of that um, mm. and trust their spouses or husbands to do that. Um, but I think that's a really important one. So for example, one thing that happens when you have a baby, you, you know, you go to all these appointments and women fall into the making appointments role, right? To go see the pediatrician <laughs> and all that. And that's just something like, it's very, um, it just sort of happens. I don't think it's like anyone's fault or anything like that, but you just start yeah. making appointments. And then all of a sudden for the next 18 years, you are the scheduler. Like you are yep. the appointment maker. <laughs> for all appointments, for every like get into the pediatrician's office or go to urgent care, whatever the case may be, keeping track of like making all of their, um, you know, dental appointments and pediatric appointments and eye appointment, like all of the appointments literally. And that's not something like that you are the only person capable of doing, right? And so I do think that taking a look at all of the things that you are thinking about and juggling and some of them you may want to hold on to because you really do care about this particular thing and that's fine but um, being able to share that with your husband is important but I think it's important for um, the fathers to actively ask and take those things off of her plate and out of her mind um, would be really helpful. And the advice, actually, when I was talking to my husband about this, he was saying just one of the things that he has learned is that I am always thinking about like 25 things. Um, And so for him being proactive and understanding that I'm probably always thinking about 25 things and that a lot of the time, I'm going to want to talk about some of those 25 things or the most pressing three or four of them and making sure that he is intentional about having a conversation with me about them or about what am I worried about right now or what am I what am I thinking about right now because he might just be like oblivious to it and then I get mad that he's oblivious and like you know it might it might be that in some relationships people will sort of either there's some you know antagonism or you sort of pick a little fight and that's not, yep. it's not really about the thing you're fighting about. It's about this other thing that you actually are stressed about and want to talk about, but you didn't just say, Hey, I'm stressed about this thing. And I want to talk about it. Women won't necessarily always do that. And so, um, yeah, I think that's actually a big part of my advice to men is just figuring out how they can take on some of these things. So for example, if you've talked about the conversation we just had, if you've talked about or thought about getting a house cleaner, or maybe she really has, you know, some goals around her health and you can help with that. Like you can say, Hey, I'm going to take the kids, you know, three nights per week, stay, go right to the gym before you leave work or on Saturday morning, or, Hey, you know what? Like, let's go ahead and hire you a trainer for 12 sessions and put it in the budget because I know this is a goal for you, right? So I think that's really where fathers can help a lot is taking some of the load off of the mothers or knowing what some of her goals are if she's not focused on, especially if they're kind of personal um, and self goals, they're going to fall to the bottom of her list all the time because she's going to be focused on you and focused on the kids and focused on work. And so if you can help with any of those, um, I think it's tremendous. And there's certainly from a practical standpoint, my husband, I did a podcast episode in the fall and he just made the point like, when you do those things and show that you care, there is actually benefit for you 
as a husband, mm-hmm. like you're going to get more quality time. You're probably going to get more sex. Like there are some mm-hmm. like very practical mm-hmm. outputs of you taking some of these things off her plate and prioritizing her in the same way that she's likely prioritizing you and thinking about your needs in addition to the kids needs and all the other things that are happening. Um, so I'll stop there and let you ask any questions or follow up. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, I agree entirely. Um, I very much operate from the mindset of if you win, then we all win. Um, and that, that applies 100% in with marriages and, uh, I'm also kind of <laughs> surprised you only have 25 things going on in your mind. <laughs> well, that's I after imagine. ruthlessly prioritizing. Then it gets done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes more sense. Got it. Yes. Um, but no, I, I'm kind of, I'm like just sitting here nodding in agreement pretty much as you, you're uh, listing everything out. Um, and actually one other thing, this, I haven't explicitly, um, said this in our conversation, but I think it relates to this question about, um, fathers. And I think this is where it can actually be a real challenge, um, for men once kids come into the picture. Um, I think in our culture today, and this, your audience may not agree or like that I'm going to say this, but, um, I talk about this a lot, um, my own content there there is a push in our culture today to prioritize kids above all um and sort of worship kids and i think it's really dangerous i think it's dangerous for relationships i think it's dangerous for marriages i think it's dangerous for the kids quite honestly and so when i say that when you have a newborn like they are literally like the center of your world because you have to keep them alive right and so you're not like pressed about like did we go on a date night this week when we have a two week old that's not latching properly right so i'm not talking about that there is a season in which like the needs of the child are number one both in terms of time mental energy etc but if you stay in that pattern and the kids are always first and the kids are always above our relationship in our marriage, you're going to be in trouble in 20 years when those kids start to leave. So um, I think the other thing that's important, and I think I think men are in a tricky position because they don't want to say, you know, don't be a good mom or don't prioritize your kids. But like, it's so like, hey, I'm still here. Like you and me made some commitments or vows or whatever it is we did when we got together, when we got married, probably made some vows. Um, and we still, this still needs to be a priority, right? And there's going to be, it's going to ebb and flow, but my husband and I in particular are very committed to being what we would call marriage first. Um, and it doesn't mean, again, like our kids take a huge amount of our time and mental energy, but we are intentional about spending time together. We are intentional about going on vacations and leaving our children with those people in our support network who could watch them. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can get time away and time to make sure that, that our marriage is still strong. And that really comes out of the belief that ultimately the best thing for our kids is for us to be together and strong and committed and healthy and whole people to help them become those same things in their own lives. And we're both from, um, divorced parents. And so we're very intentional about this and have seen the reality of what happens when a marriage 
does not succeed and the impact and the downstream effects that that has on the kids. And so um, I just want to sort of make that last point. I think, um, you know, in in a way that doesn't make your wife <laughs> feel, you know, sort of guilty or anything like that, but having the conversation about like, here's what I need from our relationship and I want to make sure that I'm supporting you and taking on, you know, sort of my share of the load in this journey, but I still want our relationship to be a priority. So guess what? I booked a babysitter and we're going to go out on a date night on Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> like really thinking about like, how can we be relationship and marriage first? And some people may not agree with that. Like they, you know, the kids are the center of their world and that's how they want it to be. And that, again, that's, that's fine. That's, you know, sort of a personal decision that you have to make. But um, I would, I would argue that, you know, making sure that your relationship is still a priority in all of those priorities is really, really important. Yeah, no, that is 100% um, like why I started to show um, the parenting advice like I would get felt very much so or and maybe not just like parenting advice specifically, but kind of the culture that I would feel is the Oh, you have to drop everything in order to take care of your child at every given moment. <laughs> and when they want the tablet, like you have to be the great parent or you also have to not give them the tablet because they should only have maximum two hours of screen time a day and they should do this. And it's, and it's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. All of this comes back. Uh, and I, I, I operate from the motto of for parenting, you have to put on your own mask first before yep. you can help anybody else. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable of if I'm aggravated, frustrated, um, and likely to blow up because I've been trying to answer to your every whim, then I am likely going to blow up when you ask me for Oreos on the third time. And yeah. you're just a kid being yeah. a kid. Yep. And you, you don't need to see that and experience that. And so I'm not giving you my best when I'm not at my best. Exactly. Uh, and so, no, that is that is, you are preaching to the choir on that one. I uh, 100% believe in it. And I, I, it's interesting you you noted of how because when we first start as parents, there's the infant stage where you literally have to do everything for them. Yep. Um, and then that kind of sticks and grows. Yep. And it just continues. So um stepping out and recognizing, like, no, you can go ahead. You yeah, you that can would walk. Be <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. ahead, go do it. That and that's your goal, right? Is for them to like get out into the world and, you know, be in independent and successful and all of that stuff. And if you've, you know, built your whole life around them, then when they leave, what do you have? Right. Like I think there's yeah you know, some, some, some practicality and the world doesn't, is not revolving around them. Right. And it does when they're little and that's that kids are like kind of selfish and self-centered as, you know, as you would expect. And that's like normal, but you have to help them realize that the world is not centered around them. And so if you center your world around them for their whole lives, like you're actually likely doing them, you know, a huge disservice. Yeah. And one, I, I did an uh, interview with Sean Grover and he mentioned the line, 
or it wasn't just a line, but he told a story of uh, a mother who was having trouble with her son and all these other things. Um, but then he got her to go out and, and do, um, I can't remember if the mother was into it or how it all started, but she got into like boxing and then would travel around. And he was like, you would, you could see the difference in how her son was acting and behaving it because she was setting the, and setting the, the bar and the standard and being a role model of what it's like to live and be happy rather than having the facade of happiness because mm-hmm. you're just giving your child everything that they ask for. Yep. Yeah, that's a great example. And so um, one kind of, I guess I, I have two questions if you have time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So I often know when giving advice, people might think, oh, man, they're perfect and got it all figured out. Um, (laughs) Contrary to that belief, uh, we have our own struggles. What's kind of like the hardest advice of your own for you to even follow? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And it's absolutely true. That's part of why I actually kind of started with my podcast was actually a solo show for like the first, I don't know, 20 episodes or so. Um, Simply because I was just trying to like share it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a video camera. And I was like, I don't think I want to be on video. So this can't be a vlog. But my podcast was sort of like, me kind of sharing, okay, here's, here's what I've learned. Here's what I'm struggling with that sort of thing. Um, So I think that's a really good question. Um, the hardest thing for me to follow is consistently doing self-care and prioritizing mm. what I need. And I've actually gotten really good at it. So this is much better now than it was several years ago. Um, now it's at the point where I do prioritize and I do the self-care. And I, my husband, you know, I've enrolled him and he sort of raised his hand and said, no, we're going to carve out the time for you. For me, it's specifically actually been around like health and fitness and like weight. Um, Mm. And so he's actually really been a partner and like, no, I'm going to pick up the kids and you take that as your gym time or on the weekends, we make sure that we both get a chance to like go to the gym and get our exercise in that sort of thing. So it's gotten much better, but I will say that there are times where I still, still feel guilty about doing those things and it's like oh should I really be you know doing this or like when my husband travels a a lot um and so when he travels like I've I have a whole routine about like what happens when he's gone for you know he's usually gone for just like two days but sometimes it's three or four or even a week if he's traveling internationally um and so you know I have a whole setup for how that goes and when he goes on his trip, he just goes on his trip, right? Like he, of course, checks in on us and that sort of thing, but he doesn't do any pre-planning before he leaves. He's not like, what are you guys going to have for dinner? (laughs) Right? That's not a question that he asks. But if I'm going to like go like, you know, for example, I went to New York um, in the fall for a conference and I have friends there, et cetera. So if I just go on like a little trip or on this um night away thing that my husband did for me a few years ago that's become part of my self-care routine i go to a hotel um for a night and get away from the entire family um so i try to do that 
three to four times a year. But anyways, when I do that, I still will like make sure I've gone to the grocery store. Here's what you guys have for dinner. Like I'm still doing all this work to then be able to go take care of myself. And it's just kind of like, why am I doing that? And it's literally, I had to think about this was probably about a year and a half ago. And I was able to articulate. I'm like, I still, even though I know this is good for me, even though I know that I, you know, that it's going to be good for the family, not just me taking care of myself is good for me and for them. I still feel guilty. And so I'm going to try to like, make it as easy as possible. And again, that's not a bad thing, right? Like, but the fact that I go through those emotions and then like, if it's something like, you know, me traveling or spending some time away, I feel like I have to make sure that everything is set up to run perfectly in our house. And it's like, no, I don't need to do that. Like, he's fine. And he's like, you don't need to do that. Like, we're going to drop you at the hotel and I'm a, they're going to get fed. It might be McDonald's. It might be some home cooking. It might be whatever, but like, they're going to be all right and you'll see them tomorrow. Right. And so having to like go through that has certainly been for me. And I talk about like self care and having a routine and being consistent and all of that stuff. And yet, and still, even when I do it, because I do now and I do it fairly consistently, I still have guilt around that. And I know like intellectually, I know I should not be feeling guilty at all, but I do. Yeah. And do you have the like guilt while you're, you're away uh, of like, Ooh, I could be using this time to do X or I could be doing that. Like, or are you able to focus on and, and get into that moment and really? Yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm able to focus <laughs> okay. um, and, and get into, and I'm just there to, and I check in and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I think I got some really good advice um, before I had my first, well, before we had our first kid. Um, okay. I got some great advice, which was, you are going to do things your way and that's fine. But especially with a newborn, like you, you're building your confidence as a mother, but your husband also needs to build his confidence as a father. And so you have to give him the opportunities to take care of the baby and eventually the kids on his own um, and let him do it his way. Don't don't criticize, et cetera, because he's doing the same thing that you are. And so, um, you know, someone gave me that advice um, when I was pregnant. And so I did that. And I have never, I know there are some women that, you know, and again, now there's all the jokes about like, you see a dad out and he gets all these compliments from everyone for like walking his kid outside (laughs) by himself, right? But like, I did do that. And so I've always felt comfortable and never been like, you know, really concerned or worried for me. It was more like, you know, should I be making it easier for him kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Not, not related to his capability of doing it, but just like the sort of nurturing kind of mother in me wants to make sure that everything's fine and that I'm getting this time. So I want to, you know, make sure that I can keep doing it, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, but I've been able to like check out, but I think it's because I did that really early and we left our like we left our one-year-old again with my mom we didn't like leave him um and went on vacation so when our oldest was one we took a week and went to Aruba and we've sort of done that every other year um like go Mm. on vacation without our kids and so I think it's sort of built up the like they're gonna be all right when they're really young they don't even remember that you're gone um and when they're older then you're teaching them about prioritizing your relationship and letting them get connected with family and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think I've gotten, you know, sort of much better about that now, but I think it's because I built in that really early and built in that confidence in him as the co-parent and there's no there's no hierarchy like I'm not a better parent than he is and he's not a better Mm. parent we're just we're just different and we bring different things to the table and so together our kids get a great hopefully a great experience because (laughs) both of us as parents so I I always like to ask this question um, and it's just always super interesting for me of if you could go back to the day before you had your first child, mm, what, oh. what advice would you tell your younger self? Oh, man, that's such a good question. I wish you had sent this one in advance. <laughs> oh, um, what would I tell my younger self? Um, the day before they were born? Yeah. Okay, because there would be a different answer before I got pregnant. So, okay. um, well, I, if you got time, I'd love to hear both. No, I'm just being funny. So the the before I got pregnant, which is the advice I give all women now, is like figure out the health and wellness stuff like before you go on that journey. Like get your abs together. <laughs> like oh. figure out your eating, like nutrition, <laughs> all that stuff because it's just going to go downhill. So certainly, there's actually that's for me a very intentional one, like about health and like the physical aspect of having children and like then trying to raise them and then get your own sort of health and wellness back together. Um, So that would be sort of a pre-pregnancy advice. Um, Mm. But if it was the day before having kids, um, gosh, such a good question. Um, (laughs) Hmm. I think, so there's a couple. One would be, um trust your instincts and get ad- get advice from people who are further along on the journey which is something that we have done over time um but there's i think a lot of a lot of wisdom around raising kids that is being lost because i think there's again, I'm going to pick on my own generation um, and maybe just above me, like people act like having kids is a brand new thing. Like no one's <laughs> ever had kids before. And it's like, or in a, in a time of turmoil and change, it's like, okay, well, at some point there, you know, weren't, you know, books and then there were, and there wasn't radio and then there was, and then there wasn't TV and then there was, right? There's, there's, there's always been change and the world has always been different and the youth have always, you know, not appreciated all the things that we do. And so, yes, it is certainly likely accelerated now because the pace of change and technology is much more rapid. But I just think there's a lot of wisdom around raising um, kids that has been lost. And because we sort of think that like, okay, I got to go read this research paper and this book and even listen to this podcast, right, which is good. And people are getting advice, but they're getting so much advice that they don't know what to do with it. And then some of it is just Mm. like, common sense stuff um that yeah so yeah so i think that would be one is just like getting getting wisdom from people who have done it from your parents and again they're they did stuff that you're just not going to do right like i certainly think that our parents did raising us that we've chosen intentionally not to do but there's a lot of stuff that they did do right and like we can just do that stuff and adapt it for our own kids um And then the second thing I would say is I think I would, 
I think I did a good job of really sort of cherishing the time at each stage. Cause again, I just got that advice from people. Oh, kids grow up so fast. Da, da, da. So don't like rush each stage. Like just be in it and know that it's going to end <laughs> and then you're going to miss it ironically. And so I think that we did a pretty good job of that, but I do wish that I had even more than we've done. I'm um, really spent time like understanding each of our kids and like their personalities and like kind of documenting that stuff because we have a good sense of it and our kids are still pretty young they're like nine um six and four but really um kind of documenting the things that they're really interested in and their personality styles and love languages just being intentional in in thinking about like who they are and then how we need to adjust our parenting style for each kid, right? Within the parameters of this is how our family runs. This is how we think about, you know, those kinds of things, um, but making it even more intentional for each kid and their style. Um, Yeah. So I think that'd be it. And we talked about this earlier, introducing screens as late as possible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's one that, and I don't, I'm really torn about it because my boys play video games together now and they like bond and have fun. And I played video games with my brother growing up. And so I'm, I sort of waffle on like the screen time thing, but I do think about it. And I think about it once you have multiple kids, like the younger kid always gets to do everything earlier. So with our oldest, we waited until he was like two and a half, almost three before we really introduced screens. But then he was on screens at five or four. And so then that meant our one and a half, two-year-old was getting it. And then, you know, our daughter, who's the youngest is like, you know, got it way earlier than either of them. But in the end, that's just a function of like, that's just how it works. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much we can do about that. So the screens one is one that I'm still kind of like waffling oh, around. We, we um, all are, especially yeah. with the whole everybody's oh, out of school everybody. right now. I yeah. was like, you know what? Take your screen. Um, I need to go work for like some time. Yeah. Know, we I mean, all don't know what that is. We rescinded a rule. So last January of 19, we had felt like the screens had gotten kind of crazy. And so we're like, look, no screens during the week. And then they can have screens mm. on the weekend. So we did that all of 2019. The transition oh, wow. to doing it was not nearly as hard as we thought. It was it was sort of challenging the first couple of weeks. But then like they get home from school and like we do, they play and we have dinner and do, you know, sort of family time and they go to bed. So it was like Monday through Friday, no screens for the entire year. And now with COVID-19 and everybody at home, like we're doing our homeschool and we're like, okay, I guess we're going to give them an hour a day of screen time. And it can already see like their expectations went right back. Like, can I get on screen? Can I get on screen? Is it time to do screen? Can I get on screen? Right. And we're just like, it feels like we unwound that whole thing that we did for an entire year. And now, but we're just like, okay, they're home with us all day long. Like, yeah, we're going to let them have. So it's still within confine. It's like an hour per day of like, non-school so they still get you know screen time for when they're doing because kids do stuff at school on screen so that stuff is not counted but they get an hour of like you know whatever screen time they want to do um during the week which is literally the opposite of what we said a year ago so yeah you got to be flexible that's probably the thing that you actually learn in parenting is like you can you can write it all down and theoretically it works the way that you think in your head and then in real life it doesn't work that way at all so yeah i was um i was thinking about that last night of like what advice would i just give to like 
any parent because I before I would I would joke and tell people like, oh, don't have kids just because like it is way more than you would ever expect. But I was like, you know what? No, um, I think you should expect that you're going to get lots of things that you can't expect. Um, yeah. And that's just in other words, just be flexible because. Yeah. And you're going to get some stuff wrong. I mean, I think that's, there's also this pressure of like being, like you said, like being the perfect parent and being the parent that knows all of the latest this and that. And you're, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of over trying to over engineer like this outcome, which is like, is that even the outcome that you want? Like for your kid? Um, Yeah. And so I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect. And this, you know, I'll maybe tie this all up in a bow like it kind of gets back to prioritizing like what are your priorities for who you want to help your kids become right and if you use that as your guidepost like again it's not it's not simple right um or it's not easy i should say but it it can be more simple than we're making it even in a really complex world so for us like we think about like our kids character like that's one of our sort of priorities is like the character of who they become like and yeah we want to help them you know pursue their their dreams and you know find careers that fit them um but we're not like obsessed about school and grades and all that and we both come both highly educated, like multiple degrees, PhD, professor, right? Like we have all the degree and background, um, but we also live with students. We live in an undergraduate dorm at MIT. And so we also see the challenges of if you only focus on academics and you like push your kids to only develop in one area of life, they're going to face some challenges. And if they don't know how to bounce back and be resilient and fail, they're going to struggle, right? Even if they make it, quote unquote, to the best universities, like you need to help their character develop. You need to think about their mental health and like those sorts of things. So we care a lot more about who our kids become than what they do or where they go to school. And that's really, really hard in a highly educated, you know, major city and in our own career fields and all that when everyone else is pushing in yeah. the other direction and their priorities seem different than yours um that can be really hard yeah definitely agree um the um was it i'm trying to remember which documentary it was but uh, i can't remember if it was race to nowhere or um Superman's not coming. I can't remember. I watched too many documentaries. Um, But it was just the idea of like all the pressure that we put on kids for perfect schooling, perfect testing, all these other things. And it's just like, no, uh, my only output is similar to yours. Be a good citizen to society. Uh, That's pretty much it. And be self-sufficient. I, it, focusing on those and making sure that you are pro- giving back to your community and that you are just being wholesome is, is I, I think that's just about like everything that, yep. that I could ask for. Yep. Any and everything else after that, we'll figure it out. You want to be an artist? Yeah. Yep. We'll figure it out. We figure that stuff out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
the character development, like above, above all, like for us, it's like, you know, and those things from our, you know, from our personal perspective, like that's not going to save you. Like, you know, we're, we're Christians, right? So we think a lot about like, you know, our kids and, and their relationship with God and understanding the world and that sort of thing. And it's like, none of these things are going to save you, right? Like they're important. It doesn't mean that they're not important, but like in the end, like your salvation is not dependent upon, you know, your career and how much money you make and all of those things. Like you are here for a purpose, you know, God's designed you in a particular way. And our job is not even to, you know, pursue our dreams for you but like to help you find your purpose and why god brought you here that's literally our job yeah awesome so i think we could probably talk all day i know i was just like we could have three or four more episodes (laughs) (laughs) like you mentioned the 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 staying in the mit dorms and i was like i want to tap into that and i was like no (laughs) wait 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 we should stop so we can certainly we can certainly do a part two. So this hey, is really fun. I'm, I'm always game. So um, Danielle, this has been amazing. It, for anyone that's interested in learning more about you and your work and wife, mother, leader, where is the best pay, place for them to find you and contact you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, if you want to listen to my podcast, um, you can just search wife, mother, leader, kind of all one really long word. Um, and I think, um, there's a wife, mother, leader podcast. Um, and if you just go to wife, mother, um, right on my homepage, um, some of the things I talked about today, like how do you actually find a house cleaner and how do you get on, you know, make sure you have a date night, those sorts of things. I have some free guides there if anyone is interested in that. Um, and I actually love to connect and actually talk. Um, and so if anyone wants to reach out, my email is just Danielle at wifemotherleader.com. So it's D-O-N-I-E-L-L-E at wifemotherleader.com. Please, please don't hesitate um, to shoot me an email. I read all of my email and respond to it. So if anyone wants to connect or have a question um, about anything that I shared, um, I'd be happy to connect and talk. Awesome. So thanks. I will put that in the notes and share it out and definitely look forward. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be doing this again. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Danielle. All right. Thanks, Sean. Great to talk to you. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Successful While Parenting. Until we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. This podcast is available in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, It's also available on SoundCloud if you'd like. If you could, pretty, pretty please, with sugar on top, please leave a review. Uh, I definitely hope that this podcast is worthy of five stars. But if not, then let me know what I can do to take it to the next level. Your constructive feedback is requested and definitely highly valued. I want to be able to provide a good source of value for you. I promise. So please um, leave us a review and check us out on our Facebook page. Um, You can easily search for us, uh, Successful While Parenting, or you can go directly to our URL, which is facebook.com slash SWP pod. Once on the Facebook page, drop me a line. I love having conversations with listeners and being able to know what's working well, what's not. So thanks. See you soon. This track is called Least Looks Groomed 
by Swirl. You can find it on his SoundCloud, which is linked on the Facebook page.